Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James Cias, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. I always love the delay, <laughs> but someday we're going to get it right over the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Hernan is here, host of the Business Bros Podcast, where we're helping you take control of your branding, your marketing, and helping you create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow. I'm here with my co-host. The insurance bro, James Cias, with Pipeline Insurance, where we empower licensed professionals to effectively add insurance to their existing businesses. And let me tell you all, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, what day is it, Nan? It's so happy. It's Thursday. baby. And on this so happy it's Thursday, today's guest is a Motivational machine. No matter the circumstances that you may be facing now, this guest is sure to show you that you are a product of your own mental fortitude and drive. Our incredible guest today won the world championship in the Purple Belt Master Lightweight Division at the 2016 World Jiu Jitsu Championship in Long Beach. Boy, you think that's impressive? You ain't seen nothing yet. Pun intended, because this rock star of a guest won that championship despite losing his sight 11 years ago. He may have lost his sight, but he gained his vision, and we're so excited and honored to have him here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a special welcome to this guest today and get ready for that motivation. Joining us from Motivation and Habu Incorporated, please welcome to the show a blind athlete, jujitsu champ, motivational speaker, and entrepreneur, Jeff. Gordon Mata. <laughs> wow. That was an awesome intro, man. I got to give it to you. That was crazy. Dude, I can't oh, this, this is what I had to work with in the like five seconds or you know, five minutes that, that, uh, that I had. You know, you, you said it. You put me to the challenge. You said that true leaders work under pressure. And I was like, all right, I got I to gotta put this together real fast and impress him. You must have gotten an A in creative writing, James. <laughs> you know, if I'd have done my homework, I would have. Right. right. <laughs> so instead, he married a creative writer. Well, there you this go. Hey, <laughs> that'll work. That'll work. I <laughs> just, I am anxious to, yeah, yeah, of course, man. I'm, I'm anxious to hear your story. Dude. I mean, the, the intro itself is very inspiring, but I kind of want to go back to, uh, when you had sight and that that uh, feeling that you had when you first you know lost it, can you take me back to then? Yeah. So obviously, I wasn't born blind. That's always a question. I lost my sight when I was 26 years old, and from the point of birth to that time, I did pretty much what most kids did growing up here in San Diego. Did I actually grew up in a city? called Poway, which is a little north of Mission Valley. And 
did a bunch of different things from skateboarding to surfing and wrestling and, and boxing were some of the most favorite things I loved doing as a kid. And growing up, I wasn't that, that top tier athlete. I, I really need to work. I need, really need to work on getting my, my uh, competition levels up, but I became a top-tier athlete from the work that I was doing, and that actually translated into my actual work ethic and business. And just to fast forward, because, I mean, I can talk, anyone could talk about themselves forever, but right before I lost my, my eyesight, I was selling residential real estate and mortgages, doing really well. This was before the 2008 crash. I was training as an amateur fighter, doing boxing after high school, and was really trying to, to rise up in the ranks and, and make something of myself. Because I always told myself that, you know what, Jeff, you're going you're gonna to be somebody in the future. You're going to do big things. And I, I'm sure everyone has that, that vision or that goal. But I really believed that it was going to happen. And I went into kind of a different transition because from the boxing training that I was doing and an inflammation called uveitis, I got a retinal detachment in my left eye and my right eye followed after. But this is the thing. That retinal detachment in my left eye, it was able to be fixed the first time. So they reattached it, I was good to go, and I still kept on fighting, I still kept on training, and my doctor even told me that I may have total blindness in the future if I kept up with the lifestyle, with the training that I was doing at the time. And you did it despite that advice? Exactly. You loved it that much? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're young. You're dumb. You're full of fun, right? And, <laughs> and you just wanted to get to that professional level, you know. Regardless if you made it or not, you wanted to to really push and try to make it. And I really believed in myself, and I kept on training, and it happened again. It's and amazing. I tell you, when your retina gets detached after you get it fixed the first time us as human beings and we want to stay in control of things, we think that, oh, okay, well, I'm going to fix it again. It's like a plugging in a socket or something, right? Exactly. You're just going to plug it back in, you'll be good. You'll be good, right? And the thing is, is no, that wasn't the case because there was so much scar tissue, it was pulling the retina back off. And regardless of putting that retina back on the back of your eye so that you can get that vision back, because my eye was so damaged, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be feasible. So I went to a couple different doctors and specialists that were these world-renowned retina specialists, and all of them said, no, you, your, your retina is too damaged. And if you do anything else, if the research and development in the future comes up with some sort of technology, you may damage your optic nerve so much that you won't even be a candidate for that. So... I, I wasn't able to to get into another surgery. That's and kind I, of a, a double-edged uh, diagnosis there. On the one hand, they're saying 
right now we can't plug it back in. We can't give you your site back, but we're not even going to try because there's hope that in the future you might be able to see again. Right. And, but this is the thing though, obviously there is advanced technology and you hear about that all over the world of stem cell research and implants for corneas and, and this and that. But my doctor, when I got the news and he said that there just weren't any surgeries to be able to fix my sight and that I wasn't going to be able to see again, that, that really took a blow to my confidence, to my ego, to my identity. And if you think about it, again, uh, let, me, let me preface it. So I was super successful in real estate. I bought, I purchased my first house when I was 21 years old. And when you're 21, you don't really know the value of money, you know? And I had, you know, the, the fancy, the fancy suits and the fancy bikes and cars and all that stuff. And that, that super fast lifestyle that we dream about. And all of a sudden it's taken away. It's taken away everything that you've worked for everything that you've attained, all those achievements, it was nothing because what do I, what do I have to show for once that blindness hit and my sense of independence was stripped away from me? Now, there's a, there's a lot of people who in that same situation would just break down. Their life would be completely over. So, you know, this is, I mean, the way you're talking right now sounds like somebody who is completely defeated at this point. How, what, what is inside you? What is it that took you to the next level where you can continue to even think about competing and much less compete at a high level? Well, you made a, you made a super good point. Like someone would be defeated and that's exactly what I was. I was defeated. I fell into a deep depression, which anyone in my situation could tell you, you're going to get depressed. You're going to go through these different struggles and these obstacles and challenges that you didn't necessarily think that you would ever have to face in your life. So it wasn't an easy transition. I mean, I'm speaking to you right now and you can hear the liveliness and, and life in my voice. But on April 18, 2008, when that happened and my world was crushed, I was I was nothing. I, I didn't even want to live. I wanted to give up on life itself. And I'm sure there are different obstacles that people do face. And hey, everybody, regardless of how tough you are, how wealthy you are, your social status, there are times that you're going to want to give up. I mean, I still, you know, you still go through different challenges in life that you just want to give up. You get discouraged. And that's just life. That's true. That is life. You're you're 100% correct. But most people deal with issues like I lost my job. <laughs> right, you know, right. I you know I don't have money to pay this particular bill. There there are things that I they spent can, all my money on toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are things that we can that we can you know overcome relatively quickly. Yours is very debilitating. So yeah. you know most people would say you have an excuse to kind of give up and to become dependent on everybody else like it's okay like you know maybe you know you shouldn't have been boxing they might tell you that right but but the fact that you're in the situation like it's okay but you didn't take that as the advice no I didn't take that as advice I mean I was very 
assertive. I was very confident. Um, I guess that's a good way of, of getting into the place that I was in. But I also believe that as a competitor my whole life and as an athlete, I believe that that transition was, I would say, not, not easier. I, I guess a little bit more manageable to do that transition from being able to see 26 years of your life and then becoming this blind, this blind individual that didn't know what the next steps were. So tell me about those next steps. Like, how do you start to, I mean, I, for me, it's things like even walking from one spot to another, to walking in, in public, to, you know, everything that, that you normally would do that people take for granted, you have to relearn all that. Oh yeah. You definitely have to relearn it. Uh, the good thing about it is we have different resources here, especially here in the United States. I mean, I've met different visually impaired and blind athletes and individuals from other countries and the resources aren't that great. So fortunately for me, I got clicked up with the San Diego Center for the Blind and uh, another in-home or actually a live-in program up in Los Angeles called the Davidson Program. And that's where I was actually able to transition and learn how to function with this, this new lifestyle or this new way of living, not being able to see. And when I went to these different programs, I learned how to read Braille. I learned how to use my uh, white cane. That, that's the cane that you see these blind guys using to orient themselves and walk around town or wherever they need to go. Um, I also learned how to live alone, you know, independent, they call it independent living skills, which is just cooking, baking, ironing, just, just your regular, your regular day-to-day tasks. And then using what we call assistive technology, which is actually how I'm zooming in with you guys, being able to use a laptop that I can't see through a software program that is a screen reader that tells me what's on the screen. And then there's various different, um, I guess, hotkeys and, and, and keystrokes to be able to navigate through it. So, so those were the four main elements of it. And then obviously you have to put in the work for it to work. And it was, it was hard. It was tough because number one, I, I was super embarrassed that I couldn't see, you know, you, you yeah. kind of get, put in the shell and then you start to push people away. And that's the funny thing that we do as human beings, you know, we, we feel so alone, right? Yet we push away all of our close and close ones and loved ones and family away to isolate ourselves. In a and time that you actually need them the most. Exactly. In a time that we need them the most. And for me, I had such a, a fantastic support system. My circle of influence, my friends, my family, they're, they're super supportive. But at the same time, they gave me the time to cope with things, to be able to process everything, the grieving process. And it, it, it was literally a series of, of processes to get to where I was at. And I can tell you, it was, it was a long hill to climb. And I'm still climbing it till this day. It's just getting a little bit easier and easier each day that I, 
that I wake up. So how do you go from learning to orient yourself to competing in, in the, in winning championships mm-hmm. in a sport that normally you'd have to be able to see. Right. To in. That's, 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 that's really a good question. So when I went to the Davidson Academy up in LA, they knew that I was a wrestler and I was a boxer. And one of the teachers was a judo practitioner and they said, Hey, you know, the, you know that judo is a Paralympic sport and you don't need your sight to be able to get on the mats and perform and, and train in judo. And it just kind of stuck in my head. I didn't really take any application or, or I, I, didn't take, I didn't take any action to do anything just yet. It was literally a few years later after I graduated from that program and I was going back to school. I, I went back to college to get my degree. But there was something inside of me that was tugging me to get into some sort of physical fitness or some activity. Because I got to tell you, when you're depressed, you gain a lot of weight. <laughs> you you <laughs> I mean, time to eat things, you right? Time to eat everything. I mean, I think I almost ate my fist because I couldn't see it. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I was at the heaviest the heaviest that I would ever, I was ever in my entire life where I was actually talking to a friend the other day and um, I said, I couldn't even tie my shoes. I literally had to hold my breath, put on my socks, laying down and throw one shoe on and catch my breath and throw the other one on. And it was just horrible. I felt so bad about myself. Again, the self-confidence level. I mean, you had this guy that was, this this star wrestler in high school this this boxer that was that was trying to rise up in the ranks and stuff like that and 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 an athlete throughout his life and he can't even put on his damn shoes it's 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 freaking it's crazy you know what i mean just to think that so but think of it like this too. I mean, you, when I talk to people and we, you, you ask them about, you know, what are, what are some of your favorite moments in your life? They're prime, right? They right. often, they often go backwards to, you know, those days in high school. And yet when we read all your accolades right now, your prime <laughs> is after the most right. exciting thing in your life. Yeah. It, how, do you, it, how does that happen? It's, it's honestly, it was a, a blessing in disguise. I, I honestly believe that this was just God's way of saying, you know what? I got something better for you and you're going to be exceptional at this because you have a special, a special, um, I guess, uh, message to share with others. And all of a sudden, like I said, all these accolades, all these achievements and awards just started to flood in. And it wasn't just on the athletic side. You also, I was also receiving it on the academic side when I was going to school and I would have never thought that I'd ever go back to school. So I always tell people my blindness, it was a blessing in disguise because I'm literally doing a thousand things more than I would have had I had sight. You think you were, you seem to be a very determined person prior to that. I mean, you had uh, the commitment that you had to your athletics that, that, you know, you don't become successful at real estate by just, you know, flaunting it around. You actually, it's a commitment to do, you know, the prospecting that you need to do to do the, the 
blocking out the time to, to, you know, learn your contracts, all the different stuff that goes into that particular business. Like those things you were always committed, but now the, you're saying you're like a thousand times more focused, I guess you can even say without vision. Oh yeah. That, that, that's exactly what is going on because what's happening is I feel that again, not even being able to see just just take let's just take that out of the picture but just being focused it's it's such a great a great um i guess angle that you can have because i'm looking at the world in a different lens you know what i mean mm-hmm. and the good thing about it is yeah i was grinding in real estate it was hard it was tough but i love i love the work you know and i i would train early in the morning but again, that, that was just two different things, right? And now that I'm blind, I'm doing, I, I, like I said, I can literally count a thousand things. Like I, I talk to a lot of my friends and family and I'm telling them like the new thing that I'm doing or a new project that I'm working on or I'm launching this or that. And they're like, how the heck are you doing this? First of all, uh, you just as one person, because it sounds like, like five people at the same time <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the thing and that's that like like you're talking about Hernan it's the drive that I have and um and, and the determination that you know what I'm not going to just sit around and look for handouts I'm going to make something of myself and and do it to the best of my ability and again, just look at the results. So new doors opened up for you. You, okay. So you, you got back into the athletic space, you competed, um, you ended up doing well. I want to know a little bit about that. And then how did you, how did that lead to even doing public speaking? Okay. So, so like I said, I didn't really get into judo or jujitsu until a few years after I graduated. So I started do, I started to train in judo in October, 2012. And I was determined to get on the U.S. national team because it was a Paralympic sport. And I trained up in San Marcos at um, this one gym. It's San Diego Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy with uh, my first professor and sensei, Paulo Fernando. And this is the crazy thing. I was looking for gyms around my area, but I got turned down. When I told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm looking to – to train judo and uh, one school said oh well you know you're blind you, you should probably look at this place up here in San Marcos and let me kind of give you an idea of the like the length of time or or the, like the time traveled so where I live to, from Poway to San Marcos it's about a 30 maybe 28 to 30 minute drive if I was in a car and I could just drive myself there but as a blind individual, I had to use public transportation. And in San Diego, I'm not saying much, but public transportation, it's, it's crap, you know? Yeah. Um, so I literally had to get on a bus, do a few transfers, walk about eight city blocks. And it, one way, it took me two and a half hours to get there. And then I would suit up. I would train for about an hour and a half and then get back on the bus and the train and everything and do the transfers another two and a half hours. So right there. Full-time job. Right. That's like, what, six and a half hours total of my life every day. And 
I fell in love with it, but I fell in love with judo and jujitsu and I just wanted to train and keep training, keep training. So that was one of the drivers that led me to being able to compete. And I actually did my first jujitsu tournament. It was in 2013, I remember, and I took second place. And I actually got choked out in the finals and I passed out, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, that's a whole nother story. But, um, but I, I loved it. I got this, this accelerating drive, this, 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 this adrenaline pump, like, whoa, this is exactly what I was looking you for. You got the runner's high. You got that competitive yeah. edge. Heck yeah. Right. You were ready to rock and roll again. Was, exactly, exactly what you were missing in your life. That which- was what I was missing in my life. Exactly. Like that fire just all of a sudden flamed up in my body. And I was thinking to myself, this is exactly what I need because I, I, I need to be physically pushed physically and mentally pushed and and i found it in in jujitsu and judo so the funny thing is is so i originally went in for judo but i i was talk i was actually talking to one of my buddies that i still train with to this day he was 18 years old at the time and he says hey man you're gonna love jujitsu i already know you're gonna love jujitsu and i fell in love with jujitsu so that that first tournament that i did it was a jujitsu tournament and after that, I said, I need to train more because I know I can get a gold medal. I know I can. And I just trained and trained and trained and trained and did my next, my, my next uh, tournament was the Pan American uh, Games in Irvine, 2013. And I think they still have actually a couple of my matches on YouTube, which... Did, did they? Did, did your competition even know that you're blind when you come up to the mat? Or, not or really? I, I, I like I come out, you know, and they're like, "Why is this guy got his eyes closed and stuff?" And and, and because the the competitors, okay, uh, for your audience, so I'm a blind athlete in jujitsu. The competitors that I'm competing against, they're all sighted, able-bodied athletes, so they can see. There's nothing wrong with them, yet I'm still competing against them, and I'm kicking their asses. let's make that clear clear. (laughs) (laughs) but but um no that i i think in the beginning they didn't but as the years pass and i obviously i I, i've been competing ever since you compete with the same guys you see you see a lot of the same guys that stay competing Mm -hmm. and they're like oh okay yeah it's it's your notoriety like people start to know right exactly i remember yeah, I remember being in high school, same type of thing where, where you know that this high school has a girl playing on the team and you're kind of looking out for this, you know, one athlete that, that is on the field and you can't really tell, but you know that it's around. And I, I feel like that's how it becomes with you until you start dominating. Then they're like, oh, that's they're, that guy. They're watching. Exactly. They're watching. And then another thing, too, is a lot of, a lot of the videos that were online they would tell that I was a, I was a, a judo player or, you know, a stand-up guy. So I would always go for takedowns. So now people are starting to study the game. They're trying to get an edge because let, let's face it. Nobody wants to get beat by a blind guy, right? No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to come up with a strategy here. How, how can we use our sight to our advantage? Right? Right. So now I'm training to be down by a takedown. 
you know, and then and then things start to things start to change, and you got to adapt to different things. And now that I'm at a higher level, I'm a brown belt right now. That's the belt right before black belt. So now we really have to train strategically to really, really um, um, capitalize, you know, on on my opponents and these tournaments. So let's flip it to judo now. So the thing though is, let me let me kind of uh, clarify the difference because there's some overlap. So with judo, it's standing up and it's a lot of explosive movements with a lot of throws like hip tosses and trips. And to win a judo match, it's called an ipon, right? Where if you throw a, a person, your opponent straight on their back, that's one point, the match is over. If you throw them on their side, it's a half a point, two half points make a half a point, um, the match is over. And then, and then it gets into a lot of the technicalities of penalties and, and then like the point system. So that's, that's judo, okay? Whereas jujitsu is more of a grappling art on the ground and you are you're on the ground grappling with your opponent and you can get in different submissions with arm locks or leg locks, foot locks, or even chokes. And if somebody taps, that's a submission, the match is over. And then you also have a point system and a penalty system um, at the end of the match. If nobody submits, then they go to points. So that's the difference between judo and jujitsu. So in my judo career, I, started it a little bit later because like I told you, I just fell in love with jujitsu and I just wanted to do a tournament every month. And I, I literally just kept on training and then I'd win, I'd win a tournament and I win another tournament. And I'm like, wow, this is great. You know? And, and, and just kept on training. And then I was actually called by the USA uh, visually impaired judo team, the coordinator, and they wanted me to come out for a camp out in Colorado because the Olympic Training Center is out there and they, they hold camps out there just to see what, what, what talent's out there. So they'll, they'll, they'll literally fly out a bunch of different athletes all around the nation and then we'll, we'll all meet up in Colorado and just have a camp. And I did really, really well in my first camp and I, I thought to myself, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. And to get on the national team, you have to, you have to, place and rank top two in the nation at, through points and different different tournaments that you're doing so i actually did really well i took second in my first tournament got on the u.s the u.s roster and then before you knew it it was um it was uh can you guys hear that yeah i, I don't know what that is hold on uh can i get off of it or is that hold on i don't know hold on. One second, one second. I'm sorry. One second. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, James, this story is pretty good so far. I mean, coming over that kind of adversity and, and becoming, you know, a national athlete and dealing with just, like, that kind of stressful life and yet still competing. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Improv. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's improv, but that's okay. I uh, mean, that, that's what we got to do. Right, right, right. So uh, back to what I was saying. So I, I got ranked. I, I got on the U.S. roster, and then 
now I'm on the national team and I was able to travel with the team and compete internationally. I was part of the Ipsa World Cup that was in Hungary. Then we did, I did the World Games in Seoul, Korea. And then I was also part of the 2015, uh, the Pan American Game team in Toronto. And it was, honestly, it was, it was, a, it was a fun time. But the, just the wear and tear, I really got to give it to the judokas. The judo players out there, they are tough. They're super tough. The training's just wear and tear on your body. But I had, I had, I had a great time working out there. And you, this- you excel as a national athlete. You've, you've kind of brought that spark back into your life. You're, you're fueled by, by competition and you're winning, right? And right. do you just like exit that and transition into like motivational speaking or like? That's exactly how- it. That's exactly it. So I, you know, honestly, I never would have thought that I'd ever do public speaking, let alone motivational speaking. And I was, I was introduced to this guy, Jason Mills through the fellowship of Christian athletes. And he heard my story and he asked me, he said, Hey, I would love for you to speak to my students. And it's just a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a world uh, international club, but they, there's clubs in middle schools and high schools and colleges. So I said, ah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I actually spoke at a local high school and just shared my story. And I, I mean, honestly, it was the most, um, I guess, rewarding, rewarding thing for me, you know, to be able to share my story and inspire and motivate others to keep going and, and not, not to give up regardless of your situation or your circumstance. And before you knew it, I got another speech and another one and someone asked me to do this and that, and it just snowballed into this, into kind of a business. And I, I honestly would have never imagined that I'd ever get, I would ever get paid to speak, but it's crazy. I'm actually, people are actually booking me to speak and, and, and I mean, it's priceless. Yeah, right. I can I can even I can easily understand why. I mean, the story itself, people are always looking for that emotional connection that I can make with with somebody. And the the thing we fear most is to lose something. And we usually oh, associate totally. that with losing things, right? Right. Um, right. Or and and at worst, we lose someone we love or we care right. about. Right. 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 And to have to go through something like that we all can relate to that feeling of, of being lost, of, of not having that thing that we once had. And so your, your story it really, you know, dives deep into that emotion, into that struggle that, you know, I had it all and I lost it all. I, yeah. I not only lost it all, but I, I had to start over where most of you just continue, you know, get, get to keep going. Your start over was completely different from my start over. My start over was, like, you know, infancy start over. I had to do everything from brand new. And you've, you've not only taken that struggle, but you've used it as fuel to push you forward. And, and it's like, look at me now. Like I'm standing here. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, pun intended. Look at me now. Right. I mean, I'm standing here sharing with you what I've done. Look at my, my accomplishments and you do it in a way that's not, I'm not bragging. I'm the best at this. Right. You're saying if I can do it, 
if I have overcome all these adversities, if I had all these issues, if I continue to have these struggles and yet I can still do this, then it puts in perspective what you're going through. No, I, totally. I totally agree with you. I mean, th- that's to say, I mean, I, I'm not like the best, the best of the best. You know what I mean? I just, I work hard to get there and it doesn't matter what you're going through as far as if it's on an athletic side and you're trying to be a world champion or something, or you're trying to be the best business owner, you, you have to put in work. I mean, I heard a lot of people saying it's, it's discipline. It's a lot of, it's a lot of hard work and, and it's true. Everybody has the potential to be the best, but are you going to put in the work for it? Are you going to get up in the morning out of bed and not hit your snooze button and get and get after it? Are you going to do that? And that's what really separates the people that are just living in mediocrity to living exceptionally. And you hear that a lot. You hear that a lot in motivational things. You hear that a lot in these masterminds. And that's the thing is, I was able, I, w- I was blessed enough to be able to identify it and then use it as fuel to become the person that I am today. And and I, I totally agree with you. A lot of people they're afraid to lose things, whether it's materialistic, whether it's a relationship, like a loved one, what you know, what whether it's your your bank account, you know, it's it there's all these different different aspects of losing things, but people are just so, um, they're, they're so blinded by it. No point intended. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, man, your, your story is super inspirational. I am, I'm moved by it. I, and I get it, it, it uh, to me, it's always a, a perspective thing. I always, you know, anytime my, my wife goes, leaves the house, I'm always thinking, man, this could be the last time I ever see her. And, and yeah. it makes me appreciate those moments that we have. Same thing with my kids. They go, you know, my parents take them out or they go somewhere, you know, anything, the coronavirus is out and, and I worry right. about, you know, them potentially getting sick. Like at any point something can happen. So, you know, hearing a story like yours is always gives me that additional perspective of, you know, when I'm, I don't feel like getting up in the morning, at least I can get up. You know, right. I don't feel yeah. like opening my eyes. Well, at least when I open my eyes, I'm going to see something like there's, it gives me that perspective. And I hope that for our listeners and, and people who listen to you speak and, and the, you know, the, the people who are, who see you compete, they can all feel that same thing. Like, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's kind of, you know, I hope that's the message that we're, that we're putting out here today. Yeah. No, makes totally. it, you know, say, thank you for coming on the program and, and sharing it with us. Yeah, totally. I mean, that that is mainly the, the the mission and vision that I have is to be able to help someone that may be going through the same pain that I went through and letting them know that, hey, it's going to be okay. You have to to trust the process and just be patient. Lastly, I want to I want to I want to make sure that you get an opportunity to tell people how they can get some more information on on your corporations, your entities about, you know, maybe public speaking or booking you for for events. So. Uh, the one company that I I just la- I launched a startup with two partners, the Habu Incorporated, H A A B U Incorporated. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at, at Habu Inc. and then on, also on Instagram at Habu Inc. And it's a herbal supplement business, and we have different products that help out with pain management, 
uh, and it's all, all natural, organic, um, made, and it's actually manufactured and distributed out here from San Diego. It's a San Diego-based company, which is awesome. Nice. Uh, and then with motivation, you can reach me on either my Facebook page, which is just my name, Jeff Gordon Mata, and on Instagram, it's at Mata, M-A-T-A dot Vation, V-A-T-I-O-N, and I am working closely with Amore Blend. Uh, it's a, a speaking a speaking group, and you'll you'll find you, you can find that as well. And I believe that if you are truly truly trying to get my message across, I, I I'm definitely open and entertaining any possibilities and opportunities to speak at at different venues. The thing that the thing that's kind of unfortunate right now with, with the whole COVID nineteen coronavirus. A lot of my a lot of my um, presentations have been postponed because yeah. of you know the the mandates and stuff. But I'm currently working on a course right now that I'm going to launch online when it's ready, where I I can be able to share my tips and tricks for for what I do. Perfect, man. Hey, again, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story, um, and just for your perseverance and and continuing to do what you do, man. You're an inspiration, and uh, thank you very much. Ernie James, thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace, and we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at csfirst.com right now, or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.